0: Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights, featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now here's your host, Ed Meyer.
2: And good evening. And welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. I'm your host, and thank you for taking your time to be with us this evening and each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, talking about the sport of kings. One week away and it all goes down the big throwdown weekend can you believe it is already upon summer is past the derby long in the rearview mirror and breeder's cup 27 making his way here cannot wait one week away winning ponies doing very well last week holding their own and i say more than holding their own 9.5 9.5 million in climbing for exotic prediction paths. That's exact to try super threes, fours, sixes. Not bad. 9.5 million in climbing. Checking out, checking out the testimonials. I was reading over. I love to read over these. Jeff L from Deer Park, Texas. Love the Delmar card on a Friday evening. And said he knows why we're at the top of our game. That's very nice to say, but that's not the part. That means the most. Here's the part that means the most. He takes down a pick three for $384.80. And a super effect in race eight that same night, $796.40. Nice day at the races, Jeff. Thanks for staying with us. Hope you give us a look-see. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Going on two years, a little over two years. Man, time flies. And I have not looked back. It's always good to hear from you. So drop us a line, give us a testimonial, tell us what you like, and if you don't like something, let us know. But for dropping us a line, and as Jeff Hell did, we're going to hook you up with a fine looking cap, lid, or something that goes on top of your noggin. I think you're going to like it. Don't forget, we're more than just an internet show. We're, we're on Facebook, Twitter, we have blog stories, free selections, easy to use, economical, color-coded predictions. Right now, the or yesterday that was, I started breaking down the pre-entries. Breaking them down and giving you some horses to focus on, but as always, check with the tier levels, the C, because there's gonna be some hidden value that I don't want to miss. This kind of gives you a little something to think about. It's Kind of like a coffee break before lunch. Just something to tide you over. But the predictions, you need to you need to dial them up and see what they have to say and see what they offer out. The best part I always have liked is they have a change of weather tab. And if Mother Nature get Mother Nature gets wicked, because we're heading to the dirt at Churchill, no more polytrack. Only the data on winning ponies allows you to do so. I've looked about everybody out there. And, and it's hard pressed to say that I've yet to see any other, any other group actually have anything like this. Really caught my eye and it is my favorite thing. Next to that, we got ourselves a big night. We're going to talk about some biggins, how we were been doing and hopefully how you were doing. A little recap from last week. I was supposed to have two guests on dial for this evening. First up on deck will be Hardcore Trainer, making his way through the claiming ranks, the big-time ranks from California, Mr. Mike Mitchell. What a nice guy. I think you're going to enjoy listening to Mr. Mitchell. He'll be joining us first up. And after that, we're going to be talking to Daily Race World columnist, been a guest on a few times, Mr. Marty McGee. Keeneland is closing. Churchill is opening. Marty McGee is called upon for direction. I like Marty. I think if you, uh, if you have a columnist that you kind of follow, it's like any sports column. Marty's one of my favorites in horse racing. So, I won't tell him that because he might think that I'm a fan and he might charge me. Little, uh, recap of the Biggins. Now these were worth their weight in gold. Friday, October 22nd, 100 total Biggins leading the pack Finger Lakes Race 4, Super Box, 19,000. 494 even. Not bad for Finger Lakes. Saturday, October 23rd, 161 total biggins. Calder, race 11, a super vector box, $4,715.20. Sunday, October 24th, 136 total biggins. Golden Gate, race 5, a super high five, buckle your seatbelts, and please sit down. $31,091 even. What a nice high-five at the Double G. Monday, October 25th, 58 total biggins mountain. A mountain race three, a Superfecta. 4620 and 20 cents. Not bad shaking. Tuesday, October 26th, 64 total biggins. Fort Erie race ten, a Superfecta key. $8,280 and a dime. Fort Erie. Wednesday, October 27th, 96 total biggins. Delaware Park leads a pack race, 7, a Superfecta, 5,634 even. Thursday, October 28th, 33 total biggins, and racing is not done. But Keeneland in race one in the opener, a Superfecta key. Grab it on tight. White knuckle coming at you, 10, 580. Those were the biggins, what we actually had going on. And here's a little something for you for a recap from last week. The Lexus Raven run at Keeneland, a 7 furlong grade 2 event. Winner number 6, Hilda's Passion. Corey Lannery and Todd Pletcher team up, paying 1440. Three quarter length victory. Then we ship up to New York to Belmont. And this was New York Showcase Day. We'll crank him out. We've got Maid of the Mist, the fourth race on the card. Well, first we'll start with the Hudson. How about we just do them in order? The Hudson was the second race for $125,000. General Maximus is the winner, J.J. Castellano, for John Terranova, 12 20 to win. Then on to the fourth race, the Maid of the Mist, $100,000 up for grabs. Sentimental ass, Rajiv Marah between the ears for David Dugan, pays $5.30 to win. Thank goodness for that nickel breakage there. That sent a lot of people home with a few extra bucks. Sixth race, hundred twenty-five thousand dollar Mohawk Pocket Cowboys. There's a little poker talk for you. Edgar Prado in the Irons spain twelve dollars even. Then we go to the seventh race, hundred thousand dollar Sleepy Hollow Band Box. Ramon Dominguez again, three dollars and thirty cents to win. Chalk players delight. The eighth race was the hundred twenty-five thousand dollar Iroquois Meese. Rocks, Ramon Dominguez rocks. How about 10:40 to win? This guy owns New York. Ninth race is the Empire, two hundred thousand dollars up for grabs on New York Showcase Day. Friend or foe? Alex, release for John Kimmel, paying four sixty. Once again, if you're a chalk player, you are having a party. And then we ran out the card in the tenth race, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Ticonderoga, you go west, girl, Jose. Les Cano for Tom Proctor, 8.40 to win. Very nice. Very nice indeed if you're taking a look at New York there. So that was Keeneland in New York. And if you're noticing the lack of big grade ones and million-dollar this and that, I'll tell you why. Because next week is Breeders' Cup. And after Fall Stars weekend, you're going to be pretty hard-pressed. And that was the first weekend at Keeneland and then uh, New York, in California, after about the first two weeks, you're going to be kind of hard-pressed because it's knuckle-down time. I mean, there's still plenty of quality racing out there, which, you know, which is always good to see. It makes you kind of feel good, but it kind of makes us wait. It's like, it's like Christmas is coming, but just not soon enough. But next week is the big weekend we've all been waiting for. But until then, i got a little, little story I'm going to throw at you here. A little Sports Illustrated cover news for you. John Preachy put this together in 1955. The cover honored William Woodward Jr. bred and raced Nashua. Heard of that runner? But shortly before that issue was to come out, Woodward, 35 years old, was killed by his wife with a shotgun in the middle of the night. His death ruled an accident was the first of many bad things to befall the Woodwards. What the magazine had in mind was Woodward, his wife Ann, Eddie Arcaro, and Nashua, and the trainer Sonny Jim Fitzsimmons. Nice plan. Plan B had to go to Johnny Padres, a 23 year old pitcher who helped the Brooklyn Dodgers in game seven in the World Series. So they had to go to a second plan. Okay, so now we're all caught up to speed. The Woodwards are having a whole lot of ugliness coming their way. Plan B, the SI cover. Okay. So, little did researchers know, and readers, excuse me, readers know, the researchers knew all about it, but little did readers know that the last minute change, the couple were experts in handling guns and even bagged a couple of Bengal Tigers, but yet accidentally shot her husband with a shotgun. Gosh, that's tough. That's really tough. Well, tons of cash kept her company all those years, but she killed herself in the early 50s after she read a Truman Capote excerpt of a story about a wealthy woman who killed her husband for money. I mean, that is some pretty ironic... business right there. Drew McCabote, definitely a man that knew how to turn a phrase and, and just couldn't stand the pressure. And to make matters even worse, the kids succumbed to drugs, two jumped out of the windows of buildings in New York. So the Woodwards were really, they, they, were, they were really kind of had the negative aura around them. After the near-miss Now, that was the Woodward article that was going to be on the SI cover. You've heard of the SI jinx. Well, Sports Illustrated never gave the award away to a racing figure until 1977, and that was Mr. Steve Cawthon. So, planning ahead. Zenyatta, if you want the Breeders' Cup Classic, you better first put your powder on, powder your nose, and get ready in time so they can have a plan B if something goes wrong if you win by too many in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So Zenyatta, you may be the next in line from, since 1977. It was little Stevie Cawthon, still known affectionately as the kid, but now it might be a girl. So that was a little story about the Woodwards. I wanted you to know about that, about the SI cover jinx, how it all goes down and what happens in the great world of racing well it is time to head on to our first break we are trying feverishly to get a hold of our good friend mike mitchell in california and when we do we are going to have our first guest of the week here
3: on winning ponies grill. and i by the bar double round the crown and everybody's getting down in this town ain't never gonna be the same
4: your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're
0: off what America Sports Channel. Voice America Sports Network. Into Winning Ponies with your host Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to Ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. and welcome back to
2: Winning Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking your time to be with us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about the Sport of Kings. My man, Neon Dion, is trying to get a hold of Mr. Mike Mitchell, having a little problem on his Zen, but we'll, we'll wrangle him down. But in the meantime, let's press on, and let's talk about all things Breeders' Cup, the racing schedule and wagering information. Now, this is online, and I say that you need to start getting things together now. The 27th running of the Breeders' Cup to be held on Friday, November 5th and Saturday the 6th at Churchill Downs. Now things are going to take a little bit of a change this year. There's going to be a Pick 6, Super High 5 to carry over to Saturday. That's cool. Saturday's Ultra Pick 6 and High 5 have a mandatory payout. That's great. Superfect is now a $0.10 minimum wager. Remember when they were that ugly dollar wager and they were costly? Now the $0.10 minimums make it so much easier, more economical, and allow you to stretch out and really fire away. Tries, pick threes, and pick fours are $0.50. Now that serves many purposes because it allows you to beat the tax man and allows you to stretch out. So that part I like as well. Win, play, show, and a jockey bet. Exact to pick six or $2 minimum wagers. Daily double and super high five or dollar minimum bets. I mean, what what more could you ask for? I mean, uh, you know, you've got it. You've got it right there. On Friday the 5th, there's 10 races carded, okay? The first two are allowance. The third and fourth are stakes. So far, everything's good. The fifth race begins the $500,000 Breeders' Cup Marathon, a grade two event. And there's a jock bet that begins there. Now, that's jockeys that accumulate the most points for winning, etc. Pretty much self-explanatory. We've done it with many of the big days. So we start off with the $500,000 Breeders' Cup Marathon. The $1 million Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, grade two is the sixth race. The seventh race, a $1 million Jet, sentinel, Jet Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Sprint, Grade 1. Man, that's a mouthful. And that begins the pick 4. The eighth race is a $2 million Grey Goose Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. That's a Grade 1 event. The ninth race on the card, the $2 million Emirates Airline Breeders' Cup Philly Mare Turf, Grade 1. And rounding out the card, which will be under the lights, is the $2 million Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic, a grade one event with a super high five. Now, I talked about the wagering menu, and I talked about everything that's going to be going on. Saturday, November 6th, there are 11 races kicking it up. First is an allowance race. Second and third are stakes races. Fourth race, the $1 million Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, a grade two, beginning a pick four. The fifth race, the $2 million Sprint. And then we go into the sixth race, a one million dollar Breeders Cup Turf Sprint. I mean, we're sprint crazy there, right back to back. The seventh race, the two million dollar Grey Goose Breeders Cup Grade Two event. The eighth race, the two million dollar TBG Breeders Cup Mile Grade One. The ninth race, a $1 million dollar Breeders Cup Dirt Mile. And then the tenth race, the three million dollar Emirates Airline Breeders Cup Turf Grade One. Rounding out the card you know what happens here five million dollar breeder's cup classic for grade one now that is one hell of a wagering menu one hell of a wagering menu and it's in its all up for grabs and it's all for your taking on this day other things that have kind of caught my eye there was a blood horse comment that actually i was reading and it was by stacy Burse, and it said that he was uh, writing this column. Wanted to write this column, I should say, now for 20 years. It said, Racing, promote thyself. And it talked about sharing sharing his thoughts and his feelings. Actually, it's quite simple. Horse racing is all about people. He says he knows the purists have told him over and over it's about the horse. But horse racing isn't very spectacular without the spectators. I've told you all alone that you are actually what makes it. Regrettably, our customer base of vans and betters is steadily deserting the sport and these lost souls are not being replaced. So he says we need to market and promote racing and it's been a drift ever since it lost its central office. Now, I believe he's referring to the NTRA in not so many words. But he says it it remains one of the few sports without a structured office. Now the NFL, the NBA, baseball—they all have it. The NTRA does a solid job influencing Washington policymakers, but simply doesn't have the resources to tackle on national marketing. It said, "Can we persuade America to go gaga over the racing?" Here's what he has to say. This is the country that has gone gaga over pet rocks, pro wrestling, Olympic curling, mixed martial arts, televised poker, and a lightly talented show-off named Lady Gaga. You bet we can sell racing. In fact, given racing's very low visibility among the American public, doubling the popularity is doable. Now, this is something that you really don't hear very often. It, I mean, you usually hear the naysayers jumping out of the, out of the bushes by about now. He says double the handle, and many of racing's problems are just disintegrated. They're gone. Robert Clay of Three Chimneys was on the right track nearly two decades ago. After looking at marketing campaigns by milk producers when they said, got milk? And the pork producers, the other white meat? He suggested a similar scheme for the promotion of horse racing. Take every little piece, nearly every transaction, and invest it in a professionally run marketing campaign now for so long i mean we've we've always just said marketing you know just keep running commercials it's more than just that you need to get people involved it's time to blow the dust off of robert's proposal he said reconstitute a streamlined center office engage all participants and negotiate a program of shared sacrifice i love where this is going in an annual marketing fund of 100 million i think it's i think it's incredible this man has been writing for the Blood Horse, and he's, he's leaving the Blood Horse. He's retiring. Racing, promote thyself. Stacy Burst, you won the award this week for having some of the most prolific words out there. And we're going to be having a gentleman here in a little while, and trust you me, he'll have some things to say about racing, the state of, and possibly even some of the things that are going, going on in racing that need, need to be fixed. Did some other reading here. Ten things you don't know about Garrett Gomez. One, he's actually afraid of flying. Who cares, Garrett? We all are. It says he tries to go to sleep before he takes off. Well, don't we all? Now, I found this kind of comical. It says he's never had a case of the measles. Now, Claire Novak put this piece together, and it was actually for the Horseplayer magazine, which is a great publication, and Claire's an excellent journalist. My favorite cartoon is Speedy Gonzalez. Okay, who cares? More who cares. Where would you find me? On an off day in the golf course. What would he rather do? Now, this I found kind of interesting. He wanted to be a professional baseball player. He wants to visit Montana. His favorite band is Nickelback. Yada, yada, yada. I found it kind of comical. I found it kind of comical in the fact that, uh, you know, you, you, you had you had Garrett Gomez right there, and what what do you, what do, you do with him? What do you do with him? But Claire Novak puts together some great pieces there. I found it highly entertaining. Also, in there, there was a pro player interview. Gentleman by the name of Mike Maloney, 54 years of age, lives in Lexington, Kentucky, with his wife and two sons. Now, Mike is a good guy. Mike's a very good guy. Graduated from Eastern Kentucky. He was in antiques and did very well. Also, if you've ever heard of Hannah, Mike is on all of the players' panels, the boards, and everything involved with that. And I, the thing I like about Mike is he's one of the most quietest, under-the-radar, huge players. I'd say he'd be the, the quiet Chris Moneymaker, Chris Moneymaker, big-time poker player. But, but he's the quiet Chris Moneymaker for horse racing. And he, he's, he's, very, he's very dedicated. He's very focused on everything that he needs to do. He looks into the future about where we need to go. Anytime you have the opportunity to read anything on on Mike Maloney, actually Google him up and take a peek, and I think you're going to really be you're, you're going to be elated with uh, with some of the, some of the things that actually pop up, you know, from Mike Maloney and and what he has to say. He's very cerebral. He's not just one that just flies by the seat of his pants. Also, I found another little piece there, and it was visual handicapping. And it talked about what does an overall horse's appearance, physical appearance, need to look like. A healthy horse will be alert and, and aware of everything in his surroundings. His ears will be pricked forward and coat will be appear dappled. Now, that's that's if everything goes well. And then, if a horse is sweating or washed out, you know, it's something you actually want to stay away from. Now, if if you're playing the smaller circus, you're going to see a lot of this. Something that I used to go down when I was a a youngster. I'd go down with my dad down to the paddock. If a horse is wearing leg bandages, some trainers wrap the front. Front bandages to me only used to throw me off like crazy. Now, it's tough to take a look at their shoes, though. And, you know, it's tough to see what they got on the bottom of their hose. It's like looking at the bottom of your shoe. If they're wearing a normal shoe, What type of shoe if they had stickers? But you want to stay away from the special shoes, like a bar shoe that generally indicate that a horse has tender feet or experiencing hoof problems. Toe grabs. So, you know, it's kind of tough. So that we're going to kind of toss out unless it's actually notated somewhere at the track, which is always extremely helpful. What kind of tack is the horse wearing? Some are loaded down with gear that may not improve their performance. A good example, Rachel Alexander, whose two losses is when she was fitted with a figure-eight noseband. Less gear, to me, is better. Now, that's that's just my opinion. You tell me yours. Or when you're at the track, think about it. If a horse is wearing a shadow roll, blinkers, or earmuffs, any time a horse wears this gear, it is a good indicator that the horse has some focus and concentration issues. Once again, that's a horse player's aspect. Once again, that's a man that... Who actually communicates with trainers and, and enjoys and listens to what they have to say? Emotional traits with horses: how do they behave in a paddock? How do they react to noise? I mean, some just take it really good. They're a confident, mentally sound horse, focused, almost uh, it seems casual in appearance. Ears are pricked up. They're they're kind of looking around, but they're not rattled. I've seen some some fillies. You'll see them in the paddock and they're shaking like a like a leaf on a tree. <laughs> it's it's really. Uh, it's, it's really kind of, t- kind of tough to see. And d- does a horse show any signs of herding mentality? By nature, horses are herding animals, and that dynamic can be present in the paddock as well as on the racetrack if he appears overly aggressive but not anxious. If a horse appears to be timid or unsure, these behaviors may indicate that a horse would likely to be content to follow the other lead horses around. I mean, so you take all this in consideration. Then you take your data, your racing form, your your PPs, your winning pony data, your predictions, whatever you're going to take. Get down to the paddock because this is where all the action is. And kind of put it all together, add it up, and see what you come out with. I guarantee it makes for a much, much more fun day. And it sure beats putting a quarter in a slot machine, pulling it, and it mindlessly just spins. Racing is a cerebral game. It's a fun game, and that is the best part. And don't listen to anybody else. Pick your own horse. It makes winning that much more sweeter. Hey, and if you lose, guess who you got to blame? Just yourself, but dust yourself up and come back right back in the next race. Well, it is time to head into a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Daily Racing World columnist Marty McGee here on Winning Ponies
1: ain't saying she a gold digger. But she ain't messing with no broke niggas. Nah, I ain't saying she a gold digger.
4: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind.
1: No holds barred. They need ass and move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. You're crazy.
4: <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't
1: playing around.
4: Voice America Sports. And they're
0: off! What? can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of Horstradamus handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeder's cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you
4: Voice America Sports Channel.
1: Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
0: tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed
1: Meyer. And
0: welcome back to Winning
2: Ponies. I'm Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking your time to be with us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, as we talk about these Florida Kings. Guest number one, Mike Mitchell, called in a little bit late. We were unable to squeeze him in, but I have guest number two online. And as I said before, and he can go back and podcast it, when I open up the daily racing form, I always crack it open. To read one Mister Marty McGee's articles. Marty, are you there?
3: Hey Eddie, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing very well. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know it's pretty hectic for you, and uh, I know uh, there's probably not a better place in the world uh, to bounce back between Louisville and Lexington about this time of year. Keeneland wrapping up a 17-day fall meet that seemed really heavily front-loaded with the Fall Stars weekend.
3: Yeah, that's true. I mean, we had a whole bunch of really important, uh, Breeders Cup preps run on, on opening weekend. And as, uh, you know, as we open up the forum and start looking at how all these Breeders Cup races shake out, um, you know, a lot of times you're going to be looking back at, at what, happened uh, early in the keynote meet. So it's, it's really, uh, kind of unfolded, and, uh, the way they normally do, you know, a lot of good weather, a lot of people enjoying the races and uh, a lot of important racing and, uh, I've been spending my time kind of in between Louisville and Lexington, uh, covering the races at Keeneland, and kind of paying attention to what's going on in the mornings here now at, at Churchill with all the Breeders Cup horses getting here. So tomorrow I'll go back to Keeneland, and then it'll be Churchill the rest of the way.
2: Now you talked about Churchill Downs, and I'll, and I'll pop right back to Keeneland. It's not that I'm uh, I'm losing my mind, but. Churchill Downs, uh, home of one Mr. Paul McGee, your brother. Uh, I love to play Paul at Churchill. I used to catch him a few times at Keeneland and of Turfway, of course, but I love to watch him run down at uh, Churchill Downs, uh, and that's right in your backyard. Uh, how many horses in the Paul McGee barn?
3: Paul's got about 30 horses right now, which is down from, he's like a lot of guys. He's, he's taken a hit kind of the last uh, couple of years with the economy, and certain number of clients just, you know, can't afford to have horses right now. He, he carried for years about 50 horses, and he would have to split. Um, typically, he'd be have a full barn at Churchill and another 15, like at Keeneland or, or somewhere else. But uh, um, he's doing pretty good. He won a, a nice race at Keeneland uh, with a horse named Guarded Entrance. He's had horses uh, finishing the money up there. And uh, as you mentioned, he's he typically... Gets ready for Churchill because it's, it's where his home, uh, you know, his training base is. And it's where he likes to win, and and uh, he, matter of fact, he's got. They drew the um, Stars of Tomorrow card for Sunday today, and he has a couple of horses in. Actually, I think he has three horses in on uh, on Sunday, and they, he's got a, um, a horse by Rockport Harbor, who I know he's really been high on. So he might. I think it's in the sixth race. So you might want to take a look at that horse.
2: We definitely will be looking at that under a microscope. The McGee boys are hard to miss—blonde uh, locks, good-looking uh, lads—and uh, neither are uh, are lacking confidence. Paul Moore, the quiet one, I would say, uh, of the two, but uh, definitely has that wry smile. And uh, when you see him in the paddock, uh, he, he's there for a reason. He's just not running around in circles. He's he's there to get the cabbage, and uh, and and always have enjoyed. And while we're on family horse racing, Ron Ellis, can you give us any report from California?
3: Uh, my sister, you know, Ron's married to my sister Amy. Amy's coming in for the Breeders' Cup. I don't even know if Ron's coming in because they, they've been doing TVG, as you know, is not uh, part of the Churchill family. You know, Churchill's kind of aligned aligned itself with uh, HRTV now, so they're going to be taking the the bulk of the uh, broadcasting action from, I think, Thursday on end. So I don't know if Ron's coming in or not, but, you know, as always, he's had a, he's had a good year. Had a little blow with the uh, rail trip being taken away from him, but uh, otherwise he's wanted his usual clip he's done a lot of work for t v g in the last uh, few months too so everybody's doing good knock on wood you know it's, uh, it's a great game to be in we all feel real real fortunate to be in it
2: well it, they they provide the action and you uh you report it to the rest of us, and it's a very interesting family and it's very competitive i'm sure it's a whole lot of fun. Mar- Marty, I have to ask you. In the past, with with Keeneland, uh, you know, I found the closers, well, you know, were, were faring pretty well. But but this meet for me, I didn't see that closing. I'm not going to say bias, but a trend. Trend. I I just didn't see that closing trend as much.
3: Yeah, it's really been. I think the jocks are riding the, that track that way, and for one reason or another, and we all just kind of theorizing that because of how dry and you know, how warm it's been over the last few weeks. It, it just did something to that surface. This is the fifth year, uh fifth fall meet they've had that poly track there. And in years past, I know that Nick Nicholson, the, the track president, always was kind of chiding me a little bit, saying, hey, look, uh, how about that bias when, in fact, there would be no bias. And he was referring to how we always talked about the old dirt track and the and the inside speed bias that existed with that. But um uh, I think kidding around the press box the other day talking about how the old kingdom was back with inside and or speed uh, really, being <clears throat> really being favored on that poly track. So, <clears throat> you know, it's a, the it's a kind of thing really for handicappers if you're really paying attention and you know that a horse happened to get an advantage by being a speed horse or having drawn favorably toward the rail that if you were like one of those other horses didn't have that advantage, and happen to not run real well. You, could, you might be more willing to forgive that kind of race when they come back to Churchill. And I know that uh, for for whatever reason, uh, I had a really great meet at Churchill in the spring. And I know that when I'm buckling down and, and really doing some handicapping for Churchill, that we'll be looking at those types of things I just mentioned uh, in regard to the Keenan horses coming here.
2: You know, I wish we'd have had you about uh, a week and a half sooner. <laughs> might have might have helped my meat overall. I didn't do too bad. I I found myself uh, more uh, of a turf player than than ever. And I love the turf, but uh, even more so. Uh, there was many days I just found myself talking to myself. Uh, Keeneland closing on the thirtieth, and uh, and then Churchill Downs I believe opens on Halloween. Uh, and you said you're going to be shifting your tack from Lexington to Louisville, and you're going to be staying over there, so you're going to save a little gas money. Uh, and uh, for for all the driving, what trainers or operations should we be watching for? Any local outfits? Any shippers? Any special riders coming to Churchill Way?
3: Well, actually, I wrote a little something for. It's in the form for tomorrow. That uh, girl, not girl, lady uh, Rosemary Homeister's is going to be here for the whole meet. Uh, we've got the the regular guys like uh, La Peru who's just been in Fuego at, at Keeneland, and he's matter of fact, I was noticing. Doing my picks for the Sunday card at Churchill, he's got a lot of live stuff for Sunday. Um, Robbie Alvarado, of course, Calvin, who's as usual, didn't have a very good Keeneland meet, but he'll—I'm sure—he'll have a lot of live stuff for uh, for Churchill. Um, as far as trainers, I think Dale Romans and Steve Asnison will have much better Churchill meets than they did at Keeneland. Uh, Tommy Amos, who won the um, the Hoosier meet. I think a lot of his stock has been replenished, and he's going to be uh, really tough with a lot of horses, too. And uh McPeak has, has kind of been fi- firing on all cylinders at Keeneland. He might not be as effective. It's just my guess at Churchill. And uh, hey, one of the clockers tell me today, my brother's got some pretty good horses, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know, what? It, my confidence is full on Paul McGee, and as I said before, not because you're on the other end of the phone. I know that Churchill's his stomping ground, and for so many years he's been playing his trade and doing it very well. Dale Roman's in and out. Uh, Churchill is his home as well. And uh, you, you talked about a few others that uh, – uh, Ken McPeak. Now, have have they actually closed the books, or is it still – are we still nip and tuck on the Keeneland meet since we have a few more days between Wayne Catalano and McPeak?
3: Yeah, I don't know where they stand. I know that Wayne went ahead of him by one yesterday, and um... – I don't know if either one of them won a race today, but uh, I know they were both running quite a few horses over the last few days, and uh, um, yeah, so I I think it's going to come down to it. They both want to win it, you know. They've got a lot of accomplishments uh, otherwise, but so if you can say you were the leading trader at Keeneland, that's that's saying something. So I know that they both were kind of entering over these last few days with the intent of uh, sending out some live horses.
2: Had uh, Ben Huffman on right before the Keeneland meet, as, as we always do. Ben's always a uh, a good fellow to talk to, and, you know, we're, we're just kind of chatting, and he, and he brings it right out. He says, Wayne Catalano barges right into his office. You may have heard it. You may know it all too well. And he says, I'm going to win this meet.
3: That's pretty gutsy. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know Ben said that. If I'd known that, uh, you know, because Wayne set a record in Chicago this summer mm-hmm. with uh, most winners by a trainer, and, but, uh, you know, the way that McPeak dominated last fall, he had 17 winners and I think the next guy had 8. So, uh, I, I knew that Kenny was really confident too. So that's, it's kind of as, as the meet unfolded, you kind of knew it was going to come down to those two guys.
2: Check in with Ben first thing, uh, tomorrow when you're there. That, it was, it was kind of tongue in cheek, but, but I knew the king of Chicago, uh, he actually backs his words up pretty, pretty well. And, uh, you know, I was down there on Wednesday and I, and I saw, uh, I, I saw Wayne actually better Kenny right at the wire and got up by a head, uh, with, with, uh, it's a short finish at the mile and sixteenth finish and, uh, got him, I'd say, by Maybe even a half ahead, but uh, it's it's quite a neat battle. Kenny McPeak, a great horseman, and, and Wayne Catalano, very exciting and never a loss for words. He he says it the way it is, and uh, and actually ask Ben about that; he'll be glad to tell you. Marty, we got we got Breeders' Cup weekend coming. It's hard to believe the twenty seventh running because I can remember the first. In a record one hundred eighty four horses pre entered for the big dance.
3: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's really it's kind of like Derby Week. Around here, it's going to be, you know, just a lot of drama building towards the big day with Zenyatta and her putting her perfect record on the line, this being her last career race. And, um, you know, I always get pretty nervous before the derby every year just because how much it means to me. And, and uh, I think the feeling is going to be a lot like that this year for a lot of people with just how historic and, and how dramatic uh, the run by Zyota is going to be in the in the final race of the fourteen Breeders' Cup races.
2: I'll tell you what. Now, I, I know this is probably a little little hard to to roll out there, but you can you can pass if you like. Uh, if you had to had to had to box a trifecta, just a, just a three horse box. We're not even going to ask for a winner because I I think that's uh, that's a little too uh, too hard to ask. Who would your three be in the Classic?
3: Oh man, uh, you know I'd have to throw Zyota in there. And um, I think Blaine's going to, I think Allie's really done a great job with them. And then I had to look for some kind of bomb, and I haven't really researched it that much. But, um, you know, because I've been covering a couple of other races, I've got. I've really been focusing on the Philly and Mare Sprint, which, by the way, got 22 pre-entries. Wow. The the favorite might be, when they run 14, the favorite might be 5 to 1. I mean, that's how way wide open that race is. Uh, but as far as the classic, though, Eddie, I, you know, um, I'm trying to, if you name some of the horses, I can tell you if I... If how
2: I, how I like about more. looking I, at Lucky? How about Quality yeah, Road? He,
3: in, yeah, in any you know, of I think kind of a, I kind of, got kind of a negative tip on him on Quality Road, and then, of course, I was up in Indianapolis to cover that race, but, uh looking at Lucky won, I didn't, you know, I thought he kind of struggled to win it, so... Keep naming them, and I'll tell you five. If
2: if I like <laughs> From there, you know what? I, I'm I'm not even uh, not even gonna really put your uh, feet to the fire yeah. because I'm a big looking at lucky fan. And when when yeah. I saw that muddy track up there at Indy, I believe it was the 16th running of the Indiana Derby, and and when when he actually circled the field, it looked like they were tied to the ground.
3: Yeah, oh, he ran big. But, you know, he he wasn't running at Zignada and, and Quality Road and, and Blame, so. How true. Uh, he's a nice horse. Absolutely, you know. And I, I don't know if you mentioned Super Saver, who uh, he, you know, who beat him in the Kentucky Derby. He was retired today. I don't know if you
2: know. Yes, it, you know. I, I read that, and it's just it's hard to believe. That actually, you know, they're they're starting to disappear off the landscape already. You know, when you see this retirement, but hey, there's a lot of money in the shed, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully, a happier life. And uh, we we enjoyed watching Super Saver on that first Saturday in May, Marty. Okay, I got your feelings on the Breeders' Cup, uh, and, and it, there's a lot to digest for our fans that are out there taking in all the information. Where should they begin their search for an up-to-the-minute info? If they were if they were following you, where should they begin?
3: drf.com. I mean, we all have blogs that we're really updating. You know, it's really been stressed by uh, by our office in New York to you know try and take advantage of the new medium of the, uh, the uh, you know the immediacy of, of what's going on. So, and we have uh, we've kind of uh, tailor made our, our website now so that if you want to get up to the minute news, you can get onto our website and get stuff like that. So, uh, we got a lot of good guys working for us, and and. Uh, you know, that's. I think if if you're really a racing fan, that's what you should be doing is following uh, drf drf.com.
2: Well, that's, uh, it's one of the, uh, one of the three that I actually peruse every day, that Ecuador Daily, And, uh, and then occasionally I read the Pollock Report just for, uh, for some giggles and, uh, but for the most part I start with the daily racing form. And as I said, when I'm as a Kentucky man, I always, uh, look for the Marty McGee articles. Final question. Marty McGee Ellis family, they've been in racing for a long time. And this is more directed at you. Your career. And it's, uh, it's been more than a year or two. With your journalistic skills, is there any time that you wish they would have taken you in a different direction?
3: Well, <laughs> that's, yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that on the radio, Eddie. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, I, guess, I apologize. You know,
3: I, I, uh, you know I, I tell people I'm in the top 1% in, in terms of people who enjoy their job, but, you know, occasionally you get frustrated about certain things. and uh, um, But, you, you know, overall, I've, been very privileged to meet a lot of great people like yourself and other people in the media and all the horsemen and the jockeys and everything. And um, yeah, I tell people that when you go to work, most people when they go to work they say, "Oh, I got to go to work," and, and you know they're counting the hours till they get off. But the place where I go to work is the racetrack, and people are happy to be there, so that makes a huge difference. And a lot of times, I, I tell people one day I'm going to have to get a real job. <laughs>
2: I, I like that part. You know, going to the racetrack, especially for me over all these years and, and having the, the wonderful opportunity working at two racetracks has just been spectacular. And I share the feeling, uh, even though I'm not doing exactly what you're doing, that. and uh, and I enjoy it each and every time I walk through the door. Marty, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for taking your time with us, and we wish you, your entire family, the McGee's, the Ellis, your brother, your brother-in-law, your sister, and especially you the best on and off the track you keep riding marty and we'll keep reading good luck my friend
3: all right buddy thanks a lot have a great breeder scott i appreciate
2: it and you as well marty thanks a lot marty mcgee daily racing form columnist. you need to look him up he told you where to uh, actually pick up all the dope and in the inside scoop and information we're going to jump right into some news in racing here marty touched on a little bit of it here and I'm just going to kind of take it from there. Numbers are up at Hoosier Park. Now, I love to hear that. Strong handle across the board gains 8%, and that's up from 2009. On track, 16% from the same time period. Here's the best part. Horsemen, love this. Purses up 28.2%. Quarter horses ran for $2 million in purses in 90 races. Hoosier Park is an excellent model. A model. Of why we need racinos. At one time, it, it was just a, a dank little place. But when you saw Looking at Lucky prepping for the Breeders' Cup on that muddy oval, that '70s track, those tight turns, that long stretch, they're a great, great model. And as Marty alluded to, Tom Amos wins the meet with 24 wins in 63 days. Leandro Gonzalez, the leading rider, 103 total wins, 13th in the nation. With wins. Very nice indeed. We're looking at exchange betting. You know what that is? That's betting during the course of the race, even during the photo finish. That doesn't mean you're going to get 99 to 1 odds determining the photo finish, but it exists in Europe and it may be coming to New Jersey next year. So it's going to be kind of interesting. NewJersey.com. Reminiscent of the stock market. Betters acting like traders. What's the world coming to? Exchange betting could be very interesting, could drive the handle. Newberry England challenged the young fans to come up with some themed race day events. What a way to get the people what they want. Ask them. What the hell? I mean, instead of us guessing what you want all the time, you know what? We have focus groups. We have all sorts of surveys. But they actually went right to the horse's mouth and asked them, what do they want? If you're looking at the Breeders' Cup and you say, hey, I think it's going to rain or it might snow, Breeders' Cup early forecast right now, sunny and cool. Early forecast are seeing temperature in the 50s and sunny. It's around 50 degrees on November 5th, uh, sunset at 639. And the best part about it is they're going to race under the lights for the final race in the Ladies Classic. November 6th, calling for 59 degrees, low of 47, sunset at 638 with a post of 645 with the Breeders' Cup Classic under the lights. That's right, Churchill Downs. They have lights and they have some spectacular cards that bring people out in droves. Marty McGee could have told you that. It's hard to find a parking space on the nights that they are under the lights. HBO's luck to begin filming at Santa Anita mid challenges due to a busy October 31st schedule and is thrilled beyond belief. We're going to have a new show that's going to replace The Sopranos as far as popularity, according to HBO. Luck, it's all about horse racing. Nick Nolte, Dennis Farina, and John Ortiz. Can't wait to see that. Here's something that really kind of made my heart feel good Valenzuela, a life of second. Chances, according to Bill Christine from the Daily Racing Forum, Pat Valenswell is 48. His life has played out like a Greek tragedy. He's back in California, close to family, and being blessed to do what he loves. The word resilient should have his picture attached in the dictionary. He lost almost seven years of writing to suspensions and unexplained absences, most attributed to drug abuse and alcohol. His apologies are accepted and promises to do better are seldom met. With a roll of the eyes. Good luck, Pat. We're still rooting for you. And then the Jockeys Guild is going to allow some advertising from the riders. They're going to allow it. I like that. And I think actually all the money should go into a giant pot, into an insurance pot for injured and riders that are disabled. Churchill Downs and WHAS from Louisville, it's a radio station, are going to give away a $25,000 win wager on the Classic. That's really cool. New York Times reports horse of a different color, 80-part owners, own a horse called J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. They love their horse, 80 owners, and they all deck out in the green and white, and they come out each and every week. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing, and this week was definitely no different. We had two guests slighted, but one was unable, but he did call in late, and we'll have him again at a later time. That would be Mr. Mike Mitchell, and what a genuine nice guy. And we did have on Mr. Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum, and I'd like to thank Marty for taking time out of his very, very busy schedule to be with us. It's hard to believe next week is going to be Breeders' Cup at Churchill Downs So be sure to tune in next week as we're going to have on our special guest, John Englehart, and we're going to be breaking down the entire weekend and going behind the scenes as he'll be giving us all the dirt, scoop, and everything the TPA will allow. So until next week, may your winners be many and your photos be few. Good luck and good night, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.